Beautiful. That's what comes to mind when we think about our human design and we're progressively exposed to the perfection of God's original design. Our lives begin to reflect that beauty. Your life is His design and His design is beautiful. Thank you for engaging with us as we are about to be further exposed to the beauty of His design as we look into the world to see Jesus. John chapter number 15 from verse 4 and 5. Let's read together a moment ago. part again for without me you can do nothing let's read it one more time for without me you can do nothing hallelujah high five someone and welcome them to church and please take your seats amen good morning everyone good to see you in church this morning hallelujah Hallelujah. Um, the Blueprint Worship, thank you for leading us in worship today. Praise the Lord. How many of you are excited to be here in church? Give the Lord a shout of praise. All right, so this morning we are in another episode. I can't remember. <laughs> No, no, no. I can't remember what episode this is. Whether it is fourth or fifth. I think it's the fifth. It's the fifth. I've done four installations already, I think. This is the fifth. Um, and it's called Salad Dressings. Salad Dressings. All right. In this episode, I really wish that I would, I would have been able to use the handheld, the wireless today. Um, because this guy... You know, um, I don't know how to use this guy to teach. All right, salad dressings, we are learning to do life by not leaving the ministry of the Spirit behind. Learning to do life by not leaving the ministry of the Spirit behind. I'm going to try as much as possible. Um, okay, I'm not going to try. Well, it's up to you. But whilst I was preparing, I was thinking to myself, I hope that these guys will not be thinking of food while I'm teaching. <laughs> you know, because um, some people have such huge appetites. The only thing they're going to be thinking about as the word is coming is food. And my sister, Oyade is came to my mind a lot and when she came to my mind I laughed a lot <laughs> and and Fabi as well. All my foodies in the house say hallelujah. hallelujah. Okay, okay. Yeah please just try and focus on what I'm gonna be teaching. Alright, life without the ministry of the Spirit will be as bland as salad without a dressing. 
I want to say that again. Life, it's not a, it's not a deep statement. I'm just trying to get myself started. Life without the ministry of the Spirit will be as bland as salad without a dressing. The scripture that we just read is Jesus reminding us that without him, we can do nothing. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. And isn't it amazing that many times when you observe our lives and you observe um, the way people lead their lives, it sometimes seems like they are saying the opposite that without him we can do all things. Alright? Jesus said, without me you can do nothing. And what Jesus says must become um, such a resonating force in your heart as you, as you go on through this life and as you journey through your living experience. Um, something has to tell you that without him you can do nothing. I mean, there is a follow-up scripture that says you can do all things through Christ, right? You know, so it's, it's, it's a balance. Um, Jesus won't leave you with, with a statement without telling you how the other side works. So if he tells you without me you can do nothing, um, he now tells you that, you know, with, with, with him all things are possible and you can do all things through Christ then it just helps you to understand that you shouldn't choose the other side of the divide where you live your life as though you can do without Him. Say this after me, I can't do without Him. I can't hear you say I cannot do without Him. One more time, I cannot do without you, Jesus. Alright, so we're looking at the idea of trying to do without and that's what the whole salad dressing conversation is about. Um, what happens, or why should you want to do without something that Jesus himself has said to you, you cannot do without? He said you can't do without him. Why do you want to live like you can? Why are you pushing the ropes? Why are you testing the waters? Why do you want to live your life as though you can't do without him? Hallelujah. And you know, there are so many beautiful treasures that Jesus comes into our lives with. And I want to show you some of those amazing things today. So do not live as though Jesus lied. Do not live your life as though Jesus lied. And I use a picture of disconnection. Do not live your life disconnected from Jesus and have that impression that he lied to you when he spoke to you. He said, you cannot do without me. Um, you, you shouldn't live life as though Jesus lied. Every time you make an attempt to go through your life and go through your day, all right, without the consciousness of Jesus, you are simply acting as though the things that Jesus said was a lie. Every time you are not conscious about his presence with you, all right, you make it look as though Jesus lied. And I wish we could go back to that scripture in John 15 and verse 5, 
and just see what it says. And I, I hope, verse 5, I hope that this resonates with you. I hope it resonates with you. Alright, because Jesus said clearly that without him, you can do nothing. He actually didn't say you can do a few things without me. He didn't say you can do most things without me. He didn't say you can do some things without me. He says you can do nothing without me. Don't push the boundaries. Don't push the ropes. Don't act as though he lied. Don't try to push your luck and think, okay, you know what? Let's try and see if I can do a few things without him. Jesus says you cannot do anything without me. All right? He goes on to start with, I am the vine, you are the branches. In other words, if you're going to bear fruit of the God kind, if you're going to produce life, you're going to produce results on God's level, because people are daily producing results on their level, and on the level of the limitation of their mind. But if you're going to produce results on God's level, then you must be joined to the vine. Say, I am joined to the vine. Alright, so you are joined to the vine already, and there has to be a consciousness in your spirit that you are joined to the vine. Hallelujah. So it says, without me you can do nothing. So, and I say to you, do not live life as though Jesus lied. Don't live your life as though Jesus did not tell the truth. Your life was designed to be filled with color, and the Holy Spirit is your plug. Your life was designed to be filled with color. Say, my life was designed to be filled with color. And the Holy Spirit is my plug. Alright, so we're going to be looking at the ministry of the Holy Spirit and the person of the Holy Spirit as dressing for your life. Just like, sal- just like there is dressing for salad. How that the Holy Spirit is color to your life, color to your world. Color to your experiences, color to your living experiences, just like salad dressing is to salad. Alright? And we're going to help you understand, you know, what the Holy Spirit has come to do. Alright? And I'm going to take you through some instructions. You know, this series is demystified. Alright? We are bringing clarity to place of obscurity about the person and the ministry of the Spirit. What? He is supposed to do in your life. Alright. I'm going to look at two instructions in scripture. Alright. That we have grossly misunderstood. Alright. And when I look at that. I'll now take you through some um, of the beautiful things that the Holy Spirit is supposed to do in your life. And he came into your life. Alright. To accomplish those things. For you, and I'll show you some of these things. Alright, so here are some instructions that we often miss. And instruction number one is Scripture says, do not quench the Spirit. Don't quench the Spirit. Don't quench the Spirit. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5 and verse 19. Alright, let's read together once ago. Quench not the spirit. Now, when people read that, okay, they, they many times um, assume, all right, that they can actually extinguish the Holy Spirit in their lives. All right? That word, quench not the spirit, is not what you think. You can't actually extinguish the Holy Spirit. 
Now, it's important for you to understand these instructions because um, they are the pathways or the doorways into your experience of the Spirit. If you have a misunderstanding of this, alright, it's going to look as though, alright, you have done something in your life or you have um, made some decisions in your life that has quenched the Holy Spirit. So that word for quench is not that you can extinguish. Alright? It doesn't mean extinguish. It doesn't mean to put out. Now remember that when Jesus was giving us the Holy Spirit, for you to understand this scripture, you're going to understand the introduction of the Holy Spirit and how He was given. The Bible says when Jesus was giving us the Holy Spirit, He said that I am going away and I will bring you another comforter. And here was the word, who will abide with you for how long? No, 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 you didn't talk to me. Who will abide with you for how long? Wait, wait, wait. He will abide with you until you quench Him? No. He will abide with you for how long? Forever. Forever is not seasonal. Forever is not dependent on your good works. Forever is not dependent on your attitude. Forever is forever. So, the Bible says He will abide with you. Can you shout with me? The Holy Spirit is with me forever. Alright, so He will abide with you forever. Not for a season, not for a day, not for a moment, alright? Not till your next mistake. He would abide with you forever. That's His job. His job is to abide with you forever. That's important. So now when you now hear the word, quench not the Spirit, alright? The word quench not the Spirit actually means that you should not stifle Him. Alright? It doesn't mean you can, you can um, quench him out. No. It is don't stifle the spirit. Or another word is don't restrict him. Alright? Alright? You can, you, can, you can choke him. Alright? He's there, but he's stifled. Okay? He's present. He's abiding with you forever. Alright? But you, you are restricting him. So when, when, when scripture says quench not the spirit... He's saying don't stifle his ministry in your life. Or don't stifle or don't restrict him. Praise God. Alright, now look at this. You really cannot put him out or make him leave. You really cannot put him out. You really cannot make him leave. Because the contract that started the conversation was that he was going to be with you forever. Can we say amen? Amen. Oh church, can you say amen today? So you actually cannot make him leave, but you can restrict him. You can't make him leave. There is nothing that you can do that would make him leave, but he can be restricted. Now, for you to understand what to be restricted means, then we have to go all the way back to see what he came into your life to do. And what a restriction is going to mean. Hello? So, because it is based on what he came into your life to do, that we can tell whether you're restricting him or not. He's not going anywhere. Just, just bear that in mind. Alright? He's not going anywhere. The contract is that he's going to be with you forever. But you know, he can be with you and not be able to do what he was assigned to do with you because you're restricting him. 
You stifle him. So when scripture says, quench not the spirit, you might think if you're not taught properly, that you can actually make the spirit of God leave. But you can't make him leave. He came to abide with you forever. But now in abiding with you, alright, you can restrict him from doing what he was sent to do in your life. Are you getting the conversation? Alright, so we're going to look at scripture. We're going to look at a few scriptures. And we're going to show you what, what he was sent into your life to do. But before we do that, I want you to please write this down. Please write this down. It's very important. Life in the Spirit is fun. Say that with me. Life in the Spirit is fun. It is not complex. Say it with me. It is not complex. It is not rule driven. Life in the Spirit is revelation driven. So, life in the Spirit is fun. Life in the Spirit is not complex at all. Life in the Spirit is not driven by rules. It is driven by revelation. Praise the Lord. So, some of you would hear, quench not the Spirit, and you think it's a rule. No, it's not a rule. Um, For you to understand what quench not the Spirit means... You would have to realize what he was assigned to do in your life. And that's what I want to show you right now. Okay. So are you ready to go with me? John 14, 16 to 18. Let's, let's start from there. Let's start from there. And I will pray the Father. And he will give you another comforter. That he may abide with you forever. So what does quench him mean? You stifle him. You restrict him. And in other words, go back to verse 16 please. And just stay there until I ask you to move. In other words, to restrict him therefore is to not allow him be your peace. Or to not allow him be your comfort. So he's been assigned to do something in your heart, but you quench him. You stifle him. Now listen, I like that picture. He's not going anywhere, but his hands are tied. So he's not moving, he's not going anywhere, but his hands are tied. Now somebody say, but how can you say the Holy Spirit's hands are tied? Yes, <laughs> his hands can really be tied. <laughs> you know why? Because he's a perfect gentleman, he doesn't do anything without permission. He says, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Next verse. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. Next verse. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Next verse. Verse 19. It says, Yet a little while, the world sees me no more, but you see me, because I leave, you shall leave also. Just go to verse 20. Alright. And at that day you shall know that I am in the Father, and, and ye in me, and I in you. 21. He that has my commandment and keeps them, he it is that loves me. 
And he that loves me shall be loved by my father. And I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Judah said unto him, Not his child, Lord, how is it that thou will manifest yourself unto us and not to the world? And Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me and will keep my words, and my father will love him, and we will come unto him, and we will make our board with him. We will make our board with him. So you're seeing all of that conversation about who Jesus is, what he's supposed to do, and what he said the Holy Spirit will do after he's gone. So when the Holy Spirit is sent to your life to do all of those things that you have just read, and you don't allow him, you're restricting him. Airflow restriction. Glory to God forevermore. I'll show you some more stuff because this is going to be such a blessing to you today. So let me explain this to you. To quench means that he has been sent into your world to do a particular thing. Alright? And you allow him to do that which he was sent to do. I want to show you another scripture. The book of John chapter number 16 from verse 12 to 13. Let's look at that. John 16, 12 to 13. I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Next verse. Howbeit, look at this. Look at this. This is powerful. When he, the spirit of truth, is come, He will guide, I want you to highlight that word. He will guide you into all the truth. What's his responsibility? And I just want you to listen um, and pay attention. What is his responsibility to you? He will guide you into all truth. In other words, look at this. He's taking you by the hand and guiding you into truth. And his job is not complete until you live in the truth. Until the truth becomes your address. And until the truth becomes how you see yourself. And until the truth becomes how you respond to life. And until the truth becomes how you respond to situations. Not your feelings, not your emotions, not your ideas, not your mind, but the truth. He says, he will guide you into all truth. So let me explain how he works. The Holy Spirit has been assigned to you to guide you into truth. And then something breaks out in your life. Alright? And the Spirit of God sends a friend or sends your pastor or sends you his word. Okay? He sends you his word. And then in that moment of having received the word, he's trying to tell you who you are. And bring to your mind or bring to your remembrance the things that he has said concerning you. And you will not allow it. You allow your emotions and you allow your feelings and you allow your mind. Alright, to be louder than his voice. So, guiding you into all truth, I always tell them, is like a tour guide holding your hand and showing you all that belongs to you. There are many reasons why many of you won't accept those things because some of you have not lived in those places yet. 
For example, some of you may have not lived in prosperity enough for you to accept that prosperity is yours. Or I'll put it like this. Some of you have lived with dysfunction too much, alright, that you can't really accept the truth about being functional anymore. So, to to quench the Holy Spirit is that He has just come to guide you into the truth and then your history is louder than His revelation. He has come to guide you into truth, alright, and then what you have not experienced is louder than the truth that He's showing to you. He's come to speak to you concerning your future and because you had pain in your past, you really don't believe that your future can be any brighter. He has come to guide you. Into, so when you, when, you, when you try to understand what, being, what quenching the Spirit means, don't think about Him leaving. Think about Him stifled. He's been sent to you, but He can't do much. Now some of you say, how, how? You see, I, I, I like the fact that Jesus is so practical. And so, you know, He was so practical. Do you understand what I'm saying? Very practical guy. He went to Nazareth, and the Bible says that when he saw Nazareth, I keep telling you, Nazareth was a city, was a city with one street and eleven houses. One street and eleven houses. If if you if you want to think about Jesus' impact and what it took for him to cover the world, then you would imagine that it would take less time for him to do one street and eleven houses, right? But the Bible records that Jesus left Nazareth because of their unbelief. That is, there was something that stood in the face of Jesus and Jesus turned his back and left. Unbelief is that strong. It's that powerful. You know, Jesus never turned his back. Think about it. He never turned his back. When the storms were raging, Jesus didn't turn his back. In fact, in that storm he was sleeping. Alright? When the seas broke out and all of the nasty things were happening around him, Jesus never turned his back on anything. Twelve years of issue of blood, Jesus never turned his back on that. You see what I'm saying? Somebody had died, alright? Jesus didn't turn his back on that. A man died and they had to break the roof to bring him in. Jesus didn't say, I can't do that. But when Jesus saw unbelief, he turned his back and walked away. Unbelief is that powerful. Because now there's a force that is trying to come into your life. God is trying to bring a new paradigm into your perspective. And your unbelief, where you've been, the kind of life you had before now, the kind of circumstances that has happened to you, all of the things that life has thrown at you, they are so loud that the Holy Spirit is stifled. He's there, but He can't do much. <laughs> he can't leave, but He can't work. And you would imagine that he's going to force his way through. No, he's not. He's so gentle. He, the best that he can do is bring you into an atmosphere like this and, and keep good friends around you. Do you understand what I'm saying? He will orchestrate good people to meet you, good moments. Do you understand? He will orchestrate good moments at the mall when you go to buy stuff that hasn't to do with church. He will orchestrate some good moments. Alright? He orchestrates good moments. When you go to the restaurant to get lunch, he orchestrates a good moment for you. But guess what? He's going to bring those things to, into your spirit and help you to make the decision to let him work. But you have to make the decision to let him work. Say Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You have to make the decision. So when you say quench not the spirit, we're not saying you can't chase him out. But by your thoughts and by your imagination and by where your life has been, you don't allow him to guide you into truth. 
You see, joy is the truth that Jesus has made available. Jesus has purchased for you. Prosperity is the truth that Jesus has purchased for you. Peace is the truth that Jesus has purchased for you. What I'm saying is don't, don't, don't allow life to be so tough that you can't buy His truth. So, so listen, your body can be, can be, you can feel sick in your body. But the truth that he wants to guide you into is that you are the healed of the Lord. Listen, let me tell you, I like that scripture that he guides you into the truth. Listen, look at this. He doesn't show you the truth from a distance and say, walk there. No, he says, come. I'm going to lead you through the seasons and take you until the truth is where you live. How many of you realize that you can actually live in the truth? Let me see your hands up. How many of you have realized that? That you can actually live in the truth. That the truth can become an address where you actually live. I live in the truth. I live in the truth. Listen, I don't live in my, in my, in my um, experiences. I don't live in my circumstances. I live in the truth. And let me tell you, every day the Holy Spirit is with you to take you by the hand and guide you until you find yourself into truth. Let me ask you a question. That last statement you just made before you came into church today, where did you get that idea from? Was it from the Word? That's why God asked Adam, who told you 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 were naked? It certainly didn't come from me. How did you realize that you were naked? Who told you you're a flop? Okay. It certainly didn't come from me. It, obviously, it must have come from your environment. Obviously, it has come from you carefully scrutinizing your situation and looking at how your life has been and all that has happened to you. But who told you that you are naked? Who told you that your life is not going to work? Who told you that you're a failure? And here's what's been happening to a lot of church folks. They've been re-echoing the things that the environment has said more than the thing that the word has said. Who told you? Turn to your neighbor and say, who told you? No, 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 but you know, that question is so important. Listen, the reason why God asked Adam that is because there's only one source for accurate knowledge. And that source is me. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you hear from every other place, alright, you are, you are likely to make a mistake. But if you hear from me and until I say so, who told you? Who told you? You know, there are many people who are running with things, ideas, thoughts, conversations that God never said to them. And guess what? Let me tell you. It was so real that Adam was naked, yet it was not so true. It was real, but it wasn't true. That is, Adam was right there, you know, as he was, yet he wasn't the truth. There are some, some things that you might be experiencing in your life. I'm not saying they are not real. I, I, I can't say that the pain is not real. I can't say that the emotional pain is not real. I can't say that the brokenness is not real. I can't say that the, 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 the things that, that life has thrown at you, I can't say it's not real. But I can tell you it's not true. Why? That's not what God has said. That it is real does not mean it is true. And what the Holy Spirit came to do was to guide you into truth until truth becomes real to you. Until truth becomes your own reality. 
all of your narratives and all of the chronicles of your failure is not truth. Broken does not mean truth. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, what is the work of the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit will never come to deny. Oh boy, this is so good. He would never come to you to deny what you feel. But he'll say, partner with me, let me take you to the truth. Now, here's the problem. Many people are looking for pity parties that is not forward thinking. You want somebody to come and cry with you and mourn with you and and do all of that. But at the end of that, the next thing is I need to guide you into my truth. Do you understand what I'm saying? Of what purpose? Listen, let me, oh boy, this is so good. Of what purpose is Jesus coming to the woman with the issue of blood and crying with her? Oh, he's, he's flowing. Oh, are you, oh, do you understand? Of what purpose is that? After we cry together, will you allow me to heal you? And there's some people that are so comfortable with dysfunction. Not you, but there's some people that are so comfortable with dysfunction. They don't want to be healed anymore. I'm telling you, I know. They like the attention <laughs> that dysfunction brings. Have you, have you, how are you today? How are you today? After we have done all of that, the next thing is for me to be strong. And Jesus came, sent his Holy Spirit to guide you into the truth. So how do we know you're quenching Like I said, he's not going to live, but he can be quenched. You know, you know that, that, that period in your life where somebody is telling you something. I've, I've experienced that a lot. I can't remember who I was talking to recently, you know, who told me, you just get to that moment where the last thing you want to hear <laughs> is what God said. I can't remember who I was talking to on the phone. And he or she said, I can't remember, that the last thing you want to hear in those moments is what God said. How many of you have ever been there? The last thing you want, in fact, when the, the, the next time the person says, you know, but, but the Bible says, you know what, you know what I do? I still push through that resistance, but the Bible says, because at the end of the day, the Bible, what God has said concerning you is the truth that you must be guided into. Say amen. amen. Say amen. amen. So let me say this to you. Nothing is final until it is found in the truth. Nothing. Nothing is final until the truth records it. Nothing is final about your life until the truth records it. So the Holy Spirit came to guide you into our truth. Say this after me. The Holy Spirit came. To guide me into all truth. Some of, are you here this morning? I want you to say that again. The Holy Spirit came to guide me into all truth. Shout it one more time. The Holy Spirit came to guide me into all truth. You know, now let me say this to you. You know, there are many people who are very religious people. You know, um, and they, they, they really believe that the Holy Spirit can lead them. You know, there are some people whose religion is, is greater than the word. Their religion is... Look, let me tell you, I don't know what, I don't know what you have to say, but I believe that the Holy Spirit can give you. <laughs> you, 
You know, and they are right. Okay, why do you say so? Ah, last week, there was, a, there was this, ah, you could, you could tell that this week and later. How did you tell? Because before, she used to see visions and dreams. Now, she doesn't see anything anymore. She's empty. No, he didn't leave. <laughs> he can't leave. Your experience is not stronger than the word. The last time I checked, forever means forever. Through your seasons, through your down times, through your moments, through your low moments, through your cursing. Do you understand what I'm saying? Through your cursing, through, listen, through your inconsistency, through your lack of devotion, He's with you forever. When the day you don't feel like praying, He's with you. The day you feel like praying, He's with you. The day you don't feel like singing, He's with you. The day you feel like singing, He's with you forever. He doesn't have mood swings. He doesn't do mood swings. Do you understand what I'm saying? He doesn't get, he doesn't get mood swings. Do you understand what I'm saying? No, no, no. He's not a lady. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? No, 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 no. He's God all by himself. Listen, God is not your daddy. He's not your, your biological father. That's what I mean. He's not your daddy who, the day he's happy, everybody enjoys his presence. You know, come on, let's declare. The day daddy's not happy, store is locked. And you know what? God intentionally removed himself from having to deal with you that way. By giving you Jesus. I'm telling you. He removed himself from having to deal with you based on how he feels and thanks be to God. If God was good last year, he's still good today. And he's good tomorrow. The Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changed. Maybe one time we will have that conversation. It was the children of Israel who introduced the contract that made it look like he changed. He didn't change. He was still good. And even now he's still good. Listen, through your rising and falling, he's good. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Through your inconsistency. You've not come to the point where you ought to be yet. He's still good. Let him guide you into all truth. Yes, that. Stop telling him what you know about yourself. Let him, let him tell you what he knows about you. Then you realize that there is something called superior knowledge. Before I formed you in my mother's womb, I knew you. In your mother's womb, I knew you. And it's what I know that is important. And I decree that this, this revelation will take you through the seasons of your life. I sense in my heart that some of you are coming out of brokenness. And you're coming into a place of wholeness in the name of Jesus. Let the glory of God rest upon you right now. So it is not truth until he says so. And listen, I like the guiding you into truth because his job, listen, his job is to not lead you there. His job is to lead you into it. <laughs> Let me give you an example. So you, you walk your friend home. And then he or she is at the gate. And then you say they've gotten home. They're at the gate. You turn and you leave. Do you know from that time you turn and you leave, something can happen. 
And he said, but, I, but, but he had gotten home. No. He's at the gates. The Spirit of God will guide you into it. So take you right into it until that's where you live. And that into this truth moves beyond your natural experience. Because you're now living inside truth. I may feel weak in my body, but I'm the healed of the Lord. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Let none say that, that um, let none in Zion say I am sick. Listen, that's why I said he will guide you into the truth. Let me tell you, some people visit truth and come out. That's why you can hear that today, you know, they're happy. Oh, I'm blessed. How are you today? Oh, I'm full of God's grace. Oh, amazing. <laughs> then tomorrow, how are you today? <laughs> and, and sometimes I listen to people like Jesse Duplantis. How many of you know Jesse Duplantis? How many of you know Jerry Savar? How many of you know Kenneth Copeland? You know, I, I listen to them, all right, and I hear the conversations that, for example, Bishop David Oedipo, you can, how do you get there? You cannot, are you not a human being? You cannot hear a negative statement from his mouth. Listen, it's not higher spirituality. Spirituality is one. We are all one in Christ. Oh boy, you didn't hear me. Eternal life, I told you, does not grow. It's the same life that God has. You understand? It's consciousness. It has entered. It has entered a place and altered the behavior. It's impossible for them to go back. It's consciousness. And then, and then you, 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 you sit down there. You say, how? How can you? How can you not have even one moment where you say something negative? <laughs> Be Winston. All of them. I mean, if you go into their private life and their public life, they have one statement. The Lord is good and kind to me. That's, 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 you have, you, it's no longer truth you know. It's truth you're living inside. <laughs> you know, you must understand that this is the ministry of the Holy Spirit to you. And I'm telling you, he's, res- he's resilient. He's relentless. Until the truth. If you enter the truth and come out tomorrow, he's still there. Come. It's your truth. This is your house. <laughs> Stop coming out. Where are you going? What are you doing? Else? This thing, your house. Let me show you another scripture. Are you ready? Are you ready? Woo! Can you give the Lord a shout of praise? Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's look at John 16 from verse 4. Let me show you another thing that the Holy Spirit comes to do to us. He says, but these things have I told you, that when the time shall come, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I said not unto you at the beginning, because I was with you. Next verse. But now I go my way, to him that sent me, and none of you asked me whither thou goest. Next verse. But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow has filled your hearts. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Listen to this. Look at this. It is what? 
expedient for you that I go away. For if I do not go away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Next verse. Look at this. Very important. Please follow the narrative because you will answer by yourself. And when he is come, he will reprove the word of what? The world of what? Sin, comma. Can you see the comma? And of what? Righteousness, comma. And of what? Judgment. Awesome. Next verse. Of sin because... Next verse. Of righteousness because I go to my father and who? You see me no more. Next verse. Of judgment because the prince of this world is what? Is judged. So, go back to verse 8. Go back to verse 8. And when he is come, he will reprove the world... Look at this. Of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. In other words, there are three categories of people in the world. Look at it. It's right there. The ministry of the Spirit is assigned to three categories of people. One, the sinner. Two, the righteous. Three, the prince of this world. Look at what you do. You categorize all of them. You are all of them. You are all of them. And all of them is you. If you don't make those distinctions in your life. This is where I belong. I may do this. But that's not who I am. I may do this. But that's not who I am. I may do this. But that's not who I am. There are three categories of people. And they don't mix. This is not a set. This is not a, you know, set. Um, inter, what, what do they call it in math? Inter whatever set. <laughs> I can see all of you spaces. <laughs> and I don't know math. <laughs> see them. <laughs> inter what? What do they call it? Eh? Whatever. That thing. Yes. That. No, no, no. They are not, they are not people playing in different fields, visiting different fields. They are three distinct people. The sinner, the righteous, the one who is to be judged. And the, your understanding of this is going to help you. Now, next verse. Look at that. Next verse. Of sin, because they, Jesus is talking to his disciples, they do not believe in me. Let me ask you, do you believe in him? Yes, then he certainly was not talking to you. <laughs> He's not talking to you. Of sin, because they do not believe in me. Who does the Holy Spirit reprove of sin? The people who do not believe in him. Why will you think he, he's, he's everything to everyone? No. <laughs> they. And Jesus was very, very, he was very, um, very clear about these things. They do not believe in me. Do you believe in me? Yes. Next verse. Of righteousness, because I go unto my Father, and what? You do not see me anymore. Now, why is that important? The reason why it's important that the Holy Spirit is reminding you of righteousness because that's what I was doing. But now you won't see me anymore. So somebody has to take my place to keep reminding you. Oh, you didn't hear that. Do you understand? That was my job to you. You know, when, when the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit being another comforter, it is Alos Paracletos. It is one of the same kind. Actually, the Holy Spirit just came to continue the work that Jesus was doing. So it means that every time Oh boy, this is good. I feel like laying hands on you. This is so good. Every time Jesus was with the people, they had a sense of righteousness. Wow. 
In other words, they didn't have a sense of inferiority. They didn't have a sense of not being enough. They didn't have a sense of something was missing or something was broken. They had a sense of righteousness. That's the reason why they were so bold. They're walking with Jesus and they go into the air of corn and they start to pick and eat. What gave you that right? On the Sabbath day, how can you do that? I mean, Jesus, talk to him. <laughs> we can't be wrong. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? If Jesus is here, we can't be wrong. You understand? As he's eating, I'm eating. As he's eating, I'm eating. They say, how can you do that on the Sabbath day? They say, talk to Jesus. There was a boldness with which they did what they did. Because Jesus was with them. The, let, let me tell you. They had a sense that if Jesus is here, we are never wrong. <laughs> this is good. Never wrong. So the, the Pharisees who did not understand the contract were expecting Jesus to rebuke them. I can't. They are always right. It was a picture of how God is going to see you today. Always right. You're always right. Even when I make a mistake, God sees me as right. Listen, let me tell you. I told you that there's a difference between condemnation and correction. The reason why we can correct a thing is because it is not condemned. If it was condemned, what we do is fold it and throw it away. But when it is good, you correct it. In other words, and correction is not, pay, pick it, pick it. Yeah, that's how you are graced. <laughs> correction is simply introducing them to who they are. That's all. So correction can happen without a slap. Correction can happen without stick. Correction can happen without belts. Correction can happen by just saying, you know, that's not who you are. That's not who you are. That's the reason why when Paul was talking to the Corinthian church, he said, ah, don't you know that your body is the temple of the living God? As if to say, that's not who you are. And once that happens, correction has taken place. Correction is simply reintroducing people to who they are. It's not, it doesn't have to take shoot. It doesn't have to take hammer. It doesn't have to, uh, no, no, that's your mom. That's not God. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody, somebody's mom really deals with that. <laughs> Are you getting what I'm saying? So, he will reprove the world of sin, of righteousness. So, what is righteousness? What is righteousness? I told you. During the, the series that righteousness is God's system of ruling and reigning, all right, where, you know, he, he, some people think of righteousness as morality, yet they are not ruling and reigning. <laughs> if your righteousness stops at morality and you're not ruling and reigning anything, that's not righteousness. Because anybody can be morally good. So... He will remind you of your righteousness. Now, if you will quench the Holy Spirit, what you are simply doing is, don't remind me of my righteousness. You're quenching him. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm really terrible. Don't, don't remind me of my righteousness. You're quenching him. Don't tell me that I'm righteous. You're quenching him. His job is to remind you of your righteousness. That's his job. He will reprove the world of sin, of, of, of righteousness, and of judgment. You know, there are many people in church who still believe that God is going to judge them. They still have that conversation. God is going to judge. He's going to judge. No. His job to you is specific. It's unique. He's reminding you that you are righteous. In other words, that in the presence of Jesus, you should never have a feeling of not enough. Are you hearing what I'm saying? 
Shout with me, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Hey, say it again, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So, P.O.D., are you saying that God, the Holy Spirit, never reminds us of the wrong that we have done? No, He never reminds you of the wrong that you have done. No, He never. That's not His job. Your conscience is enough to do that. And the last time I checked, the Holy Spirit is not your conscience. No, He is the Holy Spirit. He's not your conscience. (laughs) You know, a man who is not saved can still know when they've done wrong. They can still feel remorse for when they've done wrong. Do you understand? They can still do all of that. That's their conscience at work. The Holy Spirit is not your conscience. Let me tell you, conscience cannot change a person. Do you know? Do you know? Conscience cannot produce transformation. Otherwise, all, all atheists are transformed. Conscience is only conscience. To tell you when you've done right and when you've done wrong. Full stop. The Holy Spirit is the voice of transformation. Can you say amen? amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yeah. So he reminds you of your righteousness. He reminds you of your righteousness. Let's go all the way. Let's go from um, John 16. All right, let's look at John 14, 26 to 27. John 14, 26 to 27. It says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said to you. Look at this. He was talking, go back, go back, because I want, I want them to see it in context. Who was he talking about here? The Holy Spirit. He remind you of the things that I have said to you. Next verse. Peace I leave with you. Who is the peace he left with you? You know, we've been saying peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. <laughs> you know, not as the world gives. Give I unto you. Therefore, let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be afraid. As though peace is one, you know, shadow or one uh, mist or cloud or whatever. No, it was in context. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives. Why will he say that? Because the world gives based on merits. The Holy Spirit is not a reward for your goodness. The Holy Spirit is God's reward. God, sorry. The Holy Spirit is God's gift because of the goodness of Jesus. The world gives gifts on the basis of merit, meaning you have to perform for it to be given to you. But when God is giving you a gift, He gives you on the basis of what Jesus has done. Can you shout Amen? Amen. So the Holy Spirit is the peace that God brought into your life. The Holy Spirit is the peace that Jesus left with us. So here's what it means, therefore. If the Holy Spirit is ministering peace to your heart, and you're not letting him, you're quenching him. Now some people will say things like, well, I've been grieved, so just let me grieve. Listen to me, and I want to say this very strong. You all must know when grief has to stop. I learned that in, in the incident of my mother's passing and all of that. And I'm, I'm sure I've mentioned it several times. When my mom passed, 
I, it was so heavy, I, want, I wanted to be healed from that grief and from that pain. And I've said this before here, that grief is a junior, very small demon. <laughs> very small demon. That doesn't, he's like a baby, that doesn't know when enough is enough. So if you don't, if you don't stop, it's going to come in and take over the house. So I was really hurting, I was grieving and all of that. And then in that grief, I remember as a 19-year-old boy, I began to say, dear Holy Spirit, I want you to heal my heart and heal my heart. What began to happen was the moment the healing started coming, I began to feel guilty. Like, have, has it ever occurred to you how people move on when people pass? Has it ever, maybe some of you, your mind is not as active as mine. Somebody was here one moment and the person is no more. And people just move on. They cry, you know. They weep. But they move on. The next time food comes, they will eat food. <laughs> they will eat food. I always felt that when good people, when lovely, the world should stop. Everybody should stop what they are doing. And stop for a few days. This is big. The world never stops. And the world wasn't designed to stop. And so the Holy Spirit said, so as I began to receive that comfort of the Spirit, I began to feel guilty. That what? The memory of my mom like that? And then the Holy Spirit began to remind me, if you really knew what was going on on that side, you will move on quickly. Hey, I'm not saying people shouldn't grieve. I'm not saying people shouldn't, you know, express their feelings. But hey, know when to stop. Otherwise, this demon is going to get a hold of you. And guess what? Five years down the line, people are still grieving. The devil is a liar. <laughs> are you hearing what I'm saying? Understand me. Yeah, these are very, very sensitive points, right? But five years down the line, you're still grieving. Do you, you think you love her more than, more than him? No. Is that you've, you've, you've allowed grief to take hold. And when it takes hold, he doesn't know how to stop. So Jesus said, I leave my peace with you. And who is that? The Holy Spirit. Now, listen to what I'm saying. When the Holy Spirit starts to minister comfort to you, and you don't let him, you're quenching him. Listen, there are many people who will not allow the Holy Spirit minister comfort to them for good reasons. So you are said to yourself, I'll never marry again. Why? He broke my heart. But I'm your comfort. Let me minister peace to you. No. I'll just never marry again. All men are. All men are this. All men are. I'll just never marry again. You see, you're quenching him. You did a business and you lost resources. And then the Spirit of God has come to comfort you. Let me tell you how one of the ways he comforts you. He comforts you by showing you what else he has for you. Do you understand? He comforts you by helping you see the picture of the future he has for you. And where we are going. Come on, man. This is where we are going. And that's supposed to be a relief for you. He did that for Job. Job lost everything. And then the Bible says the later end of his life, he had more, way more. In, including his health was renewed. Because how, how did he have the stamina, alright, to have, like, how many times more children than he had when he was younger? 
So if he had 18, he now had times 2. How did he have the strength? If not that his youth was renewed. You make everything better. Listen, your, your best days are not behind you. No, no, you've not lived them yet. You've not lived them yet. Whether, 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 whether you were right, whether you were wrong, your best days are not behind you. Look, I don't care what you've lost. I don't care what people did to you. I don't care what happened to you. I don't care what happened to your mind. Your best days are not, not behind you. And it takes the Holy Spirit. You will let Him. So every time He's trying to say, Hey, come, come. This is a new year, you know. You, you just turned 26. I have some great dreams for you. I said, but Lord, I, I missed it in 25. Hey, you missed it. It's over. Um, let's move on. He said, no, Lord. How can I move on? <laughs> do, do you know what I lost? <laughs> Are you me? <laughs> Are you me, Lord? You can't say that so easily because you are not me. If you are me, you will know how it pains, how hurting it is. Is that not what we talk about? Don't we say, sometimes even if you, you, are, too, you are too scared to say it, you know, you, you think it in your mind. Look at this Jesus, just telling me all these nice, nice things. Yeah? Were you there when I failed? <laughs> Were you there when I was broken? I had to tell me all these wonderful, wonderful things. Please, Jesus, leave me alone. <laughs> the Holy Spirit come, 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 see, come. If you see what I have for you, you will not cry about this. This is like, this is like, you know, promised land as against wilderness. You understand? It was good, but it's the wilderness. I'm taking you somewhere. The Holy Spirit, how can you tell me that? How can you tell me that? I lost twenty million. How can you tell me that? But but I have more for you. Oh, glory to God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Your best days are not behind you. They're ahead of you. But every time you, you shut him out, you stifle him, you know, you're quenching him. So, here's the guy who has great ideas and he can just bless you with one. But you've, you've learned, you have become a perpetual quencher. You've learned to silence him perpetually. So now he has the very good idea that will bring you out of that situation. But you've learned, you've, 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 you've trained yourself in not talking to him. Just imagine, how can you do that? You keep malice with your friend. We're not talking. I lost too much last year, so we're not talking. Holy Spirit, keep your ideas. Please, let me, <laughs> let me see on my own, please. Like Jesus said to that woman, if you knew who he was, who was talking to you, you would ask him and he would give you living water. If you knew who he was that has been assigned to you, you would not weep. I have one chapter of my book, Helping People to Deal with Regrets. Look, after 24 hours, you shouldn't regret anything. And 24 hours is even too long. Look at me. Regret seems as though all of your best opportunities are behind you. No. How many of you will take what you're hearing and use it? Listen, tell your neighbor, regret is not a gift of the Spirit. No, shout, shout at them. Shout, say regret. No, well, take it easy. <laughs> take it easy. <laughs> You know that? It's not, no, it's not a gift of the, of the Spirit. In fact, say to them, it's not even a fruit too. 
is actually nothing. Move on. I'm not saying move on alone. Move on with the Holy Ghost. The pathway of the righteous is a shiny light that shines brighter and brighter and brighter onto the perfect day. So the Holy Spirit is the peace that God has left with us. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 2. Are you being blessed by this? Hey church, are you being blessed by this? Let's look at 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 12. Alright, it says, Now we have received not the spirit of this world, but the spirit which is of God, that we may know, I want you to please underline those words, that we may know the things that are freely given to us of God. Say this after me. There are things that are freely given to me of God. You know why it's important for you to know so you don't have to pay for them? So you, so you don't have to be deceived into paying for them. There are things that are freely given to you of God. Is peace freely given to you of God? Hey church, talk to me. Is peace freely given to you of God? Is joy freely given to you of God? Is prosperity freely given to you of God? Is righteousness freely given to you of God? Yeah, there are things that are freely given to you of God. Is boldness a free gift of God? Yeah, yeah. You make me brave. You, you, can, you, can, you, can, you can get me into the space where I speak into circumstances. And I speak into situations. And I speak the things that I want to see. And then the, the conversations, how dare you talk like that? Well, you make me brave. Are you getting what I'm saying? There are things that are freely given to you of God. It says, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. So, if you are quenching the Holy Spirit, therefore, you are stopping Him from showing you the things that are freely given to you of God. Is this good? So if you quench him, your life becomes void of his peace. If you quench him, your life becomes void of his peace. It becomes like salad without dressing. Let's look at a few more instructions. One more. And I'm done. Ephesians 4 and verse 30. How many of you are being blessed by this word? Praise God. Ephesians 4 and verse 30. Let's read it together. I want to go. I want to be sure that you're still awake. Let's read together. I want to go. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed until the day of redemption. Go to verse 29. Verse 29. Alright, let's read together. I want to go. It says, let no corrupt communication... Proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearer. That it may what? That it may what? Minister grace unto the hearers. Next verse. And, you can see that is the continuation of a conversation. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed until the day of redemption. Stop. Does grieve mean leave? Didn't you see sealed? Next verse. Ah. Grieve 
Many people, he's leave. If you grieve him, you leave. No, but the next line says, by which you are sealed. Do you have sense? Look at it now. No, so clearly. It says, by which you are sealed. So it means certainly that grief does not mean leave. Because if it is by him you are sealed, you know, that sealed is, you know, you are confirmed, bona fide member of the house. You are sealed. So it then means that grief does not mean leave. So let's look at what grief means. 29. When words proceed out of your mouth that do not communicate grace to the people who hear you, you grieve the Holy Spirit. You know why? Because he wants the people who hear you to hear about his amazing grace. So he is grieved like a father who has so much good to give to the people. And then he has hired somebody to speak on his behalf. And the person is speaking, he's speaking something that is not in sync with what his heart is saying. He's going to be grieved. Imagine you have a middleman who you employ to talk on your behalf. And the guy is saying stuff that is not in sync with what you're thinking. If I stand here now, I'm going to tell you, God is going to punish you. God is waiting to hit you with honey. God is angry. God is angry. He's angry. The spirit that you grieve has left. The spirit that you annoy has left. And until you bring a holy water, your life will not be holy. And until you bring a holy anointing, your life will not be anointed. Come to service with a stick, a nail, a hammer. You understand? And I saw a video of some place where they, 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 they God don't miss. All the members had cutlasses. And then the pastor had a gun. So we were wondering, is this a real gun or a fake gun? Say, cut your enemy. Would to God that that thing hit somebody's head. I will stop the prayer and I will fight you to finish. Or the pastor and then somebody is dead in service. Do you understand what I'm saying? That can never look. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's as though these people are not free until they come around here. No, stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free. You, you were born free in this kingdom, and you will forever be free. Do you understand what I'm saying? And my job is to remind you of who you are. Oh, that lady was caught right in the act. In the act. Ha. Brother. In the very act. You know what that means? They literally pulled her off of the man and brought her to Jesus. Maybe Jesus did not hear where. Because the next word that came out of his mouth is neither do I condemn you. See, Manchi, how, how, how gory can it be? Right in the middle of that, they literally just lifted her. And when man is doing stuff, he's always biased. You, le- you pick the woman, you left the guy. Ah, hey, hey, I don't understand you. Was, was she alone? <laughs> you, know that? you left the guy. Then they brought her to Jesus. And the Bible says they were checking to see what Jesus was going to say. And Jesus was writing on the sand. And then 
They put all the allegations again. And Jesus kept on writing. And maybe they thought he didn't hear. So they put the allegations again. And then, you know, oh boy, some of you don't recognize that even in the midst of her sin, the word that came out of Jesus' mouth was a blessing. No, you don't get. Neither do I condemn you. It's not an opinion. It's not a, it's not a paradigm. He's the blessing. <laughs> Do you understand? Some of you think it's the way Jesus saw. No. When he said, neither do I condemn you. You know what he was saying? God is free to bless you as much as he likes. Because I have found no fault in you. This guy literally liberated this lady to walk right into the blessings of God. Alright? The way she was. She didn't have to change her skirt. She didn't have to change her hair. She didn't have to put a lip gloss or clean the one that was there. Right there from that point. Neither do I condemn you meant God is free to bless you and I won't, I won't blink. God, will, God is free to bless you and I won't say God why. God why? Why do you do that? Did you hear what she did? Neither do I condemn you, says I am the door. Anyone who is going to come to the Father will come through me. And because I find no fault in you, God cannot find any fault in you. And that's freedom. Freedom to be. Freedom to achieve. And nothing can be worse than finding a, a woman right in the very act. And they were very clear about their description. So that God won't miss it. And then God showed them he didn't miss it by blessing her. I don't condemn you. I don't condemn you. You're qualified for my best. I don't condemn you. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. I say it again. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. You'd imagine that Jesus did not hear well. He heard well. <laughs> it was because he heard well. That's why he gave out the blessing. We win by the blessing. So what grieves the Holy Spirit? Listen. What grieves the Holy Spirit? Every time you talk yourself out of his blessing. Or every time you let someone talk you out of his blessing. Because you... Say to yourself, you're not good enough or you don't measure up. He's grieved. Because if anything qualifies you to be blessed, is that you don't measure up. Oh boy. So he's your measure. Is that you're not good enough. So he's your sufficiency. You understand? Is that you're not, you're not, you're, you couldn't do it for yourself. Then he came to do it for you. If anything qualifies you for the goodness of God, it is whilst we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's like asking somebody to have a bath without soap. Do you understand? How, how smart can you be? Do you understand? We come to the Father in the name of Jesus. And we are clean through the word that he has spoken unto us. So you insisting that you are to be punished when God has set you free is grieving the Holy Spirit. You insisting that you go one more day in that condemnation is grieving the Holy Spirit. He's like, come on, come on, take this, take this freedom that I've given to you. You insisting that you're not good enough, you're not worthy enough, you're not, you know, it's, it's grieving the Holy Spirit. That's how you stifle Him. That's how you, you, you stop Him from doing what He's supposed to do. 
Let me tell you. Sweetheart, 50 days of condemnation and two hours of condemnation will not produce anything. Some of you try to appease your conscience by not praying to God for the next three weeks. At the end of three weeks, it's your conscience that will be appeased, not God. You know, the only thing that appeases him is his son. And every time I stand before him, I stand righteous because I am in him. And he's in me. And I let him do his work. And if he's doing his work, see, if we are all letting him to do his work, the days of depression will be shorter. Just let him do his work. Just listen. Sometimes play very good music, Christ-centered, and just listen. Sometimes you, you may not even know how to pray. Just be in his presence and just worship. What can separate you from the love that is in Christ Jesus? Neither life, nor death, nor things present, nor things to come, blah, 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 blah. But guess what? Many times in church, it is the people themselves <laughs> that are separating themselves for the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Because they are always remembering all of the things that do not qualify them. Have you been blessed today? Life without the Holy Spirit is like salad without dressing. Let me say this. When your heart... Go go to the last one. When your heart is blocked from seeing the grace of God, that's when you grieve the Holy Spirit. But Lord, I I I want someone on this keyboard. But Lord, I did wrong yesterday. But that's why you're qualified. For the blessing. Did you hear me? Is this good? So let, let me show you how you show or demonstrate that this is good. Enjoy fellowship with Him. You know, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the sweet communion of the Spirit is not what we say to close service. <laughs> the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the sweet communion. That's why we don't say it here. We don't say it here. It's not what we say to close service. Then the person that just said the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit goes down there to have the chaos of, of the devil's spirit or whatever. No, we say it because it's a lifestyle. You, 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 the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'll probably start from there on Sunday. The love of God. Hey, yeah. Hey, and the sweet communion of the Holy Ghost. And, and Paul said, be with you now and forever. Pastor, what of when I make a mistake? Be with you now and forever. Pastor, what, what, what of when, when I don't pay my tithe? Be with you now and forever. Pastor's anger is not God's anger. Wow. Bear it in mind. Mm. Yeah, I can be angry. But that doesn't mean that God is angry with you. Rise to your feet, everyone. Wow. Lift up those hands. Speak to the Lord tonight. Pray in the Spirit.
adore Him. Thank you for engaging yourself in this episode. We trust that your life has been beautified. If you'd like to share what Jesus is doing in your life through this ministry, please write to us at hello.blueprintstories.org. You can visit our website at www.blueprintstories.org. You can also follow us on Facebook at The Blueprint Church and on Instagram at The Blueprint Church. Cheers.